0: Hi guys, Joe Wolverton, teacher of liberty here. I'm coming at you today with a video that may be the most important video that I've ever done. It's something that I believe so strongly in and it's something that is rarely talked about and this will be the first in a five-part series of videos leading up to election day. Because I know that many of you this is going to be your first time voting and When I was thinking about that and considering what videos I wanted to do, I had many that were planned, but I scrapped them so that I could do this one, these five leading up to election day, okay? Today, I'm going to talk about something that is, frankly, rarely spoken of and that I think is sacred. Every four years since 1788, someone has been elected president. And ever since George Washington was sworn in in 1789, every president has placed his hand on a Bible and sworn to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and he has ended that oath with the words, so help me God. Most people think that swearing to God is in the Constitution, is required by it. It is in fact that last phrase, so help me God, isn't even in the document that was ad-libbed by George Washington at the time, right? Just like putting your hand on a Bible, not in there, and saying at the end, so help me God, also not in there. So let's read together what is required of the President when he's swearing into his office, when he is inaugurated. Let's read together what is required there. It's found in Article 2, Section 1, Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution. And it reads Before he enter on the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath or affirmation I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Look closely. The first thing you notice is that the newly elected president is required to take either an oath or an affirmation. Now, if those were the same thing, why would the Founding Fathers have said, or? Or why would they put two things in it at all? Why wouldn't they just say, take an oath or take an affirmation, right? Why would they put both of those things? That's because there is a huge difference between an oath and an affirmation, between swearing to something and affirming something. So, let's look at it. An oath is defined as a promise corroborated by the attestation of the divine being. Now that's out of Samuel Johnson's dictionary, 1789, the probably the no, definitely the most pro, uh, popular dictionary at the time of the founding. So before we break it down, let's look at the definition of affirm. Affirm is to declare positively. Period. That's it. You will notice that there's something missing from affirmation that is included in an oath. God to take an oath means to swear to do something with God as your witness. So when the founders wrote, he shall take the following oath or affirmation, and he says, I solemnly swear or affirm, they did that on purpose because they wanted to make sure that the newly elected president had the option of swearing to God or not, promising to do something in an affirmation, not mentioning the name of deity. Why would they do that? For two reasons. First, the founding fathers wanted people to be able to be elected president who did not want to swear to God to do something. There are people whose religion then and whose religion now forbids them from making oaths from swearing to God. Oath equals swear to God, right? That's its definition. Affirm, just promise. No God involved. So the first thing, they didn't want to prevent people whose religion prohibited them from swearing to God from being president, like the Quakers. At the time of the founding, the Quakers, right? The second thing is they did not want to have a test, a religious test. That is to say, They didn't want people who maybe didn't believe in God or weren't sure or who knows what. They did not want a religious test for office. In fact, if you look at Article 6 of the Constitution, they specifically said there will be no religious test for holding office. All right, That should help you understand why the phrase, so help me God, doesn't exist in the Constitution at all. Guys, do you understand? Read Article 2, Section 1. Oath or Affirmation, I Solemnly Swear or Affirm. Those are two very different things. They were put in there for a very big reason, and that is to swear an oath is to do so using God as your witness. We saw that in Mr. Johnson's Dictionary. To affirm just means you promise, no mention of deity. And the founding fathers did not want to make people, did not want to force people to swear to God who was against their religion, and didn't want to force people to declare a religion or even have one in order to be president. Now, I'm going to make a challenge to you, particularly to those of you that this is your first time voting. I want you to go to the campaign website of your favorite candidate. And I want you to look at the things that he's already promising to do. Look at your favorite candidate's website. Go down the list of his policies and his promises of what he will do if elected president. And you will see that each of them is already promising and planning to do things that violate the Constitution. Each any one of those candidates elected will place his hand on the bible and will swear to god that he will be faithful to the constitution you know that's true no matter who is elected that person there it will be on tv billions of people around the world watching the newly elected president will put his hand on a bible will say i solemnly swear And at the end, we'll say, so help me God. None of that is required. So, you might be saying to yourself, Joey, what's wrong with a president swearing to God that he will be faithful to the Constitution? Well, go back to the websites. Each of them has already promised to violate the Constitution. Think about that, guys. Guys that person is going to stand there and swear to God twice because he's going to say, I solemnly swear. At the end, he's going to say, so help me God, to do something. So he's bringing God as a witness to the truth of something he already knows is not true because he's already declared to the world, I'm going to do these certain things that violate the Constitution. All right. So, Why would you want to knowingly bring God into that? Look, if say you promise, you affirm, right? The Constitution specifically allows you to do that. Don't say, I solemnly swear, so help me God, with your hand on a Bible. Just get up there and say, I affirm that to the best of my ability, I will do this, period. But you and I both know what would happen. Imagine you have a man, he's elected president, he gets up there, he's, again, standing there with the cameras, the world watching, no Bible. He simply stands up there and says, I solemnly affirm to faithfully execute the office of President of the United States, and to the to best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and he stops. What do you think would happen? How would people react? You know as well as I do that people would go crazy about this. Right? But I would suggest that we think another way about this. I think it's a sad reflection on who we are, on the sad reflection on candidates, about that we don't care that these people who have promised beforehand To do things that violate the Constitution will then stand up that day that they're elected or that they're sworn in, will stand up and swear to God not to do the thing they've already promised to do. I think that shows, as a society, a real lack of respect for the name of deity. I think it shows a real lack of respect for the concept of religion. It shows a lack of respect for the Constitution itself. And it shows that we really don't hold people to account for what they say. You've heard the old saying, a man's word is his bond. Rubbish. Because not only is a man's word not his bond, because even if he affirmed it, he's not going to do it. But in this case, in the oath of office, he's going to double down. He's going to solemnly swear, which is an oath to God. And then he's going to say, so help me God. And he's going to put his hand on the Bible. We all know that. Now And this is what irritates me so bad, guys, is that people who proclaim, who say of themselves that they are friends of the Constitution, that they, are, they admire the founding fathers, that they're conservative, they would be the very ones to decry, to go crazy criticizing a person who didn't get up there and swear even though it's not required. And even though that should kind of make you feel better, right? Because having looked at it, having paid attention and knowing that these guys are going to do things that violate the Constitution, well, at least he's respectful of God enough not to call God down as a witness to his lie. Doesn't that make you feel better about the person? All right. So I hope you understand what I'm saying. We need to be a people who respect the name of deity. We need to be a people who do not expect a president to feel pressure to call God down as a witness, and if a president is smart enough, I dare say righteous and respectful enough not to do that, we shouldn't criticize him, but on the contrary-wise, we should respect him and praise him for that. All right, so finally, I'm going to share a few quotes from some of the men that were influential on our founding fathers. These are men that they read, that they quoted all the time, and I'm going to read quotes that they made, statements that they made with regard to taking oaths of office. All right? So first up is a man named Emmer DeVottle. All right? Here we go. Even children know that an oath does not constitute the obligation to keep a promise. It does not constitute the obligation to it only gives an additional strength to that obligation by calling God to bear witness. A man of sense, a man of honor, does not think himself less bound by his word alone, by his faith once pledged, than if he had added the sanction of an oath. Emmer de Vottle again. For what influence can the invocation of God have on the mind of him who who is deaf to the voice of conscience. Algernon Sidney, Uncle Algy, men cannot attempt to dissolve the obligations laid upon them by the laws, which they do so solemnly swear to observe, without rendering themselves detestable to God and man, and being subject to the revenging hands of both. Samuel Pufendorf. Now, when an all-wise and an almighty witness and guarantee is invoked, it causes a strong presumption of the truth, because no man can easily be thought so wicked as to rashly call down upon himself the grievous indignation of the deity. Hence, it is the duty of those that take an oath to take the oath with awful reverence, and religiously to observe, to do what they have sworn to do. Again from Brother Pufendorf. But the taking of an oath has this effect among men, for the sake of that invocation of God, which is therein made use of, whose wisdom no man's cunning can elude, and who suffers not man to mock him and to to escape unpunished, that not only a heavier punishment, is a sign to him who forswears himself than to him who barely breaks his word. But it puts them in mind to avoid all deceit and prevarication in the matters which it is added to confirm. Thomas Gordon. I hope y'all are getting this, by the way. These are savage against someone making an oath. I mean, calling down God the, the revenging hands of both, all of these things. You don't want to, you better take the oath with awful reverence because you don't want God, you don't want to be mocking God by invoking his name knowing you're lying. All right, Thomas Gordon, how should the love of liberty and peace bind these men whom neither the laws of humanity and of their country nor the religion or an oath nor the awful gospel of Jesus Christ can in the least bind. If you're going to stand up there with your hand on a Bible and say, so help me God, I swear that I'm going to do this and know that you're not going to do it. There is nothing on this earth or in heaven that will bind you to keep your word. Thomas Gordon, your little regard to conscience and your wanton contempt of oaths Are sad proofs of how small the Christian, how small power the Christian religion has over you. What can bind the man whom oaths cannot bind? Can society have any stronger hold of him? Again, we claim conservatives love to say how much they love the Constitution and love the founding fathers and how we're a Christian nation. A Christian nation wouldn't mock and expect candidates and presidents to mock the name of God the way we do. Cicero, who will dispute the utility of these sentiments when he shall reflect how many cases of the greatest importance are decided by oaths? How much those sacred rites performed in making treaties tend to assure peace and tranquility? What numbers the fear of divine punishment has reclaimed from a vicious course of life and how sacred the social rights must be in a society where a firm persuasion obtains of the immediate intervention of the immortal gods, both as witnesses and judges of our actions. Do you understand, guys? All of these men, all of them say the same thing. Don't bring God into your oaths. If you know you're not going to be bound by it, don't do that to yourself. That's why the Founding Fathers wisely allowed presidents to affirm. And let's realize, if we ever ever have a president who does that, let's not criticize him. Let's realize the Constitution does not require you to swear to God. The Constitution does not contain the words, so help me God. The Constitution does not require you to put your hand on a bible and there is a huge difference between the word oath and affirmation between the words swear and affirm. The oath of office does not include the requirement that a man bring God down as a witness to something he is not going to do. So go look at your favorite tyrant, I mean your favorite candidate's website, look at the things they've promised and planned to do. And then you'll see that they are already all of them, guys, already planning to do things that are not, they are not allowed to do in the Constitution. So the question is this. Will you cast a vote for a man already promising to lie not only to you and the rest of his supporters, but to God as well? Who will be held more accountable by God? The man who voluntarily swears to God? that he will do something he knows he's not going to do, or the person who votes for that kind of man. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon.